when I finally cracked that code, it changed my whole world because all of a sudden I was only focusing about what is the message, what is it I'm trying to tell the customer. And sometimes the message would be tough. Welcome to Don't Break the Bank, Run It and Change It, our podcast for curious minds in the financial services industry. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and together with my co-host Brian Hayes, we've both worked for over 30 years in banking and banking IT before joining VMware. In today's episode, we talk with Louise Ostrom, global lead of the newly formed Accenture VMware Business Group. Louise takes us through the startup of this collaborative business group known as the AVBG and explains what every company should consider when going to a cloud operating model. This is a really helpful episode for organisations in their cloud journeys to take stock of where they are or to help with some of the questions they should be asking. Oh, and Louise will be telling us why the worst thing she ever ate was soaked in rose water. But we'll save that for later. First, welcome Louise. Great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Great honour. Can you give us a quick intro about you and your role? Of course. So my name is Louisa Öström. That's actually a Swedish last name and completely impossible to pronounce. So just call me whatever and I'll react. I am Danish originally. I have been working in the IT industry for my whole life. I'm currently working for Accenture and I'm heading up globally the, the AVBG business group, uh, which is a, a partnership between Accenture and VMware. Okay. So, uh, so from a career perspective then, how did you end up here? Oh, my goodness. Um, I started with actually graduate from business school in Denmark with a master in computer science and economics. I went through some years with IBM and IBM Consulting and three startups and three turnarounds later, I ended up with VMware and stayed with VMware for around 10 years, actually. Started as the regional director for the Nordics, went in to lead their EMEA group for network and security which was later on the SDDC Software Defined Data Center. The last role I, I had with uh, VMware was running VMware Cloud, also on EMEA level. And that was then before joining Accenture. So it's actually perfect. I'm going to Accenture, but I'm still working with my old colleagues at VMware. And that's such a thrill. It's really, really, <laughs> no, it's, really it's, it's, a, it's really fun. Hmm? Okay. Uh, so, so when did you first realize that you wanted a job in IT? I don't know what it was, but I think I tried, and when I was searching as younger, I've thought about languages, I've thought about more, more like, actually more feminine topics. But I, and I tried for a period, but it was too much tea and biscuit in that environment. And I <laughs> decided I, I need more cognac and coffee and whatever. And then I got, I got inspired by a person who was actually doing this special IT path at the business school. Uh, and he said to me, well, you're just a person known, you're very short. And he said to me, this is the future, Louise. And there's so few females in there. And it's probably not something that fits you if you're more into languages. And I was like, doesn't fit me. You know what? Watch me. I'm going to show you something different. So I've always been the kind of person that when you tell me I can't do it, or normally it's not something that females would do, I get so uh, inspired almost by it or provoked uh, that I'm going to show them. And he was absolutely right. We were like, I think, five, six women in the whole that year. And we became a good team, you know. 
we're still seeing each other and we still have that network. And it, of course, it's virtual technology and I was programming and stuff. And I realized that was maybe not my strength, but anyway. Yeah, fabulous. That's a great story. So um, looking back then, what would you say your, was your career defining moment? Uh, the career defining was actually happened in IBM. So I came in after I graduated, I came in in the IBM consulting group, it was called back then. And I was so impressed about all the clever people there. And I was insecure. I was uncertain about my own skills and if I could contribute with anything. And I had a very good mentor who said to me, because he gave me slides sometime, here's a slide deck. That was way back in time where we have physical, you know, plastic foils you put on <laughs> a lightning projector. And he gave me like um, a folder with, I don't know, 400 slides I could, I could pick from. And I was scared to death of not choosing what they had made because I had so much respect for what they have done. And it wasn't until, and I was really scared because some of the slides were quite difficult and I didn't really know what it, what it said. And I didn't, I was scared that people would ask me questions about what was on the slide. And it wasn't until he said to me, listen, Louise, you have to trust that your story is right. And you should be able to do this without slides. So the slides should not be the one guiding you. You should be the leader and the slides should support you. So the slides should support your story or the, the message you have. So it could almost be like a, it could be a picture that helps explain what you're trying to tell the customer. It could be like bullet points to help you remember what to say. So it's your assistance. It's not like they lead you, you lead, and then that supports you. And when I finally cracked that code, it changed my whole world because all of a sudden I was only focusing about what is the message, what is it I'm trying to tell the customer. And sometimes the message would be tough. You know, we were consulting and we had to give them some tough messages. So that was my tipping point and the best advice as a young graduate. Uh, actually, that's fantastic advice. And there's a lot of people could learn from that right now. So let's move into our next section, which is called our deep dive. Ben and I did a real deep dive. All right, uh, let's get into it. We'll find out everything there is to know. Louise, so you're working at Accenture now and obviously coming from VMware, you're uniquely placed in terms of understanding both companies. Can you tell us a bit more about AVBG? It sounds like an Avengers super team. So um, <laughs> how would you explain it? No, so so the um, the task I was given was actually to come into Accenture and be the fire starter, <laughs> meaning building up the team from scratch. There is no AVBG when I joined, right? It's just the gathered a few people to start building up this practice. So it's doing like a startup within Accenture. Now, uh, of course, it's fantastic that I come in on the back of a contract that was signed, an agreement, which is a multi-million, multi-year agreement where both uh, parties are investing heavily to work together. The big plus I have is that I know VMware so well. Well, guess what? I don't know Accenture that well. And there are actually 530,000 people. You know, seriously? That's, that, that's like 10 times Faroe Island. And you don't know them all already? They're, they're like, hold on to your head. They're like 62 countries in the world that has less inhabitants than we have employees, okay? So you can easily get lost. So what I realized is one of my biggest tasks right now is not only to build up, but it's also actually to connect the dots. 
finding out who is who in that zoo. Because you can make, uh, pointing back to the PowerPoints again, you can make 100 PowerPoint slides, but the magic happens on the ground. And the magic happens when people work with people. So if there is a will, there is a way. And I can see when it works well, it's because the person on the VMs, uh, VMware side and the person on the Accenture side actually work together as a team. And of course, people who know me would not be surprised that I renamed the AVBG to the Avengers. And it's because in order to succeed, which I also learned around all my years of building up and changing stuff, it's very much about the attitude and the belief. And if I can bring your superpower to the table every day, and your superpower is not necessarily the same as mine, right? It shouldn't be the same. We should all be different. We are different. But if, if I can get the best out of you and I can give you the best of me, we together will be this superhero team. And that's why I call it uh, the Avengers, because the AV, duh, get it? Uh, AVBG. And it's inspires. We haven't done costume parties yet, and I'm dreadful of go, going down. The last time I did it, it wasn't pretty, but we had a lot of fun. <laughs> but it's really, it's fantastic to be able to build up something. And maybe it, it actually boils down to you want the confirmation. You want to go in and see that you can make a difference. Otherwise, you can easily be that little drop in, in the brown big pot of paint you know and you put in one dot yellow or red but it's still going to be brown so i think it's the ability to uh, make a difference that's important to me personally and that's how i also attract talent i attract talent don't you want to be a part of something don't you want to look back in three or five years and say wow i was part of building that up so that's the mentality and it points back to I can't change Accenture. I can't change VMware. I can't change the globe or politicians. Or, but the only power I actually have is the people I hire and how I make them work together. And that's the key. It's all about the people. You can, yep, yeah, nope, I, I'm super convinced, <laughs> super convinced. Sorry, you got me all started up there, Brian. No, that's, that, that, that's great. And I, I think a lot of people will also recognize it is always about the people at the end of the day they are they make it what it is culturally they make what it is in terms of what you can do Let, let's turn now to a bit more about industry and, and where you're engaging we hear a lot of talk from customers across many industries but you know, and within fs specifically given the conversation today around the desire to go cloud first and public cloud first I'd be interested to hear your observations on how that's really working out in reality and how that's been interpreted in terms of rubber hitting the road for some of those clients. So I'm going to tell you something that you can't read in any slides, but now it's probably going to go podcasted. So let's see <laughs> the consequences <laughs> of what I'm saying now. So Accenture had for years a public cloud focus because they were so convinced that it's all about going to the cloud. Okay. And not only that, but they've thought of, let's go in with the mindset with the AWS hat on or the Microsoft hat on or the Google or, you know, whatever hat they, they chose to put on. And they would try to convince the customer to go, I'm just saying an example now, to go to the Google or go to the, the Microsoft or the AWS, for instance. Now, 
What happened uh, a few years ago was actually there were some customers that we started to lose big contracts with, big deals we lost. And when they went in to the customer and said, why, you know, what happened? What did we, what, what went wrong? We have been working together for so many years. And they said, well, you didn't listen. What do you mean we didn't listen? Exactly. You didn't listen. Because what you didn't understand and what we try to tell you is one, we do not want to move everything into the cloud. Two, we cannot move everything out into the cloud. And three, guess what? We're not allowed to move everything out into the cloud. And this is very much for the financial industry. So, and by the way, if we do move stuff out into the cloud, maybe we don't want to put all the eggs into one basket. Maybe we actually do want to have a diverse strategy. So Accenture stepped back and said, whoa, you know what? We need to rethink. It's actually not just about going to the cloud. It's about asking the question, why? What is it, dear Mr. Customer, you expect to achieve from it? And when it comes to banking and finance, they're highly regulated and they have big, big data centers. And guess what? This is a part of why we did this agreement with VMware, a partnership with VMware. They normally have VMware wall-to-wall in that data center. They have competences. They have people that know VMware. They trust VMware. It's a little bit expensive. But anyway, they really love it and they trust it, right? And with VMware, you can create that platform that will help you on the cloud journey. And you can lift and shift your stuff from your data center into the clouds you choose. So you can put certain things into AWS. You can put certain things into uh, Oracle, uh, Microsoft, the IBM, or or even local cloud providers. Don't underestimate there's a lot of smaller providers out there. It's not just about these big names. There are many others you can choose from. So what we realized on our side is, hey, it's actually about the cloud journey. It's about asking the why. Why do you want to move out? What is it you expect to gain from it? If it's just a cost saving, why would you put the old stuff into a Ferrari? Why would you, uh, oh, I'm going to be uh, sanctioned again here, but why would you put lipstick on a pig by putting it into a glorious Ferrari where actually pigs are supposed to be transported in a lorry and put on a farm, okay? Why would you put certain workloads that are supposed to be retiring into something super fancy, why don't you put your workloads where they belong, modernize you know, the things that you should modernize, build in the super fancy clouds, be able to pull it back when you desire so, run it somewhere different, and retire it some a third place if you want to. Secondly, you need to make absolutely sure you can pull things back. You know, what we start to see with several customers is a trend of, let's say, a big customer rushed into the cloud three, four years ago. What happened then? Oops, they start to get the bill. And not only have they rushed into the cloud, they get all tempted to join the party. What they didn't see in all the eagerness of being really modern and cool is that the door closed and someone threw away the key. So, And now they are looking for that key to be able to open it and get out of there. Or maybe they realize that we rushed a little bit too fast. Things are changing. Corona came. Stuff is different. We need to do different things. So I think the best advice I could give any company within the, the, the financial industry is think. 
Why do you want to go to the cloud? What is you want to achieve? Make sure you don't lock yourself in. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. Make sure you can pull your stuff back when you want to. And the technology is out there. So it's not like you can't do it. It's very much about the risk assessment. And it's also about the lipstick on the pig thing. And why do you want to have something old and just run it somewhere else? You Don't you want to maybe modernize it before you do so? So there's a lot of thinking. And it's all about the apps today, right? That's where you differentiate yourself, especially, of course, with end-user customers or consumer customers like banking, for instance. You know, it's all about what kind of cool app do I have? I have two sons. You know, they, they will change bank if they desire because they have a cooler app or it's easier. I have had the same bank for, I'm not going to say that around 30 years. And I haven't changed because, oh, you know, it feels too much a hassle. And But in the financial industry, things are really moving fast. You know, if, if you are ever invested in anything and all the crypto coming up and all the apps and how you can do things easier, and you have to move with it. Because people will change banks, you know. It's not that difficult anymore. Mm, mm. So with that in mind then, so what are your thoughts then about the thought that choosing multiple cloud providers is really just like kind of creating old silos in other people's data centers? Yes, to be really raw, you can say, you know, cloud computing is basically someone else's server. It sounds much more sexy when you say cloud computing, but it is actually you run your stuff on someone else's computer. Now, what differentiates the whole thing is that if you run uh, your stuff on my computer, you can also get access to these services. You can also get access to these applications that you normally will not have in your own data center or you will have to uh, pay expensive fees to use somewhere else or download or whatever. But it's, it's like a... It's like hotel. What is a hotel? You know, duh. It's just a bed you sleep in. Yes. But in this hotel, I get these services. In this hotel, they have a spa. They have more security. They have a bank box in the room. I can have this. I can have that. So it's a little bit the same. What kind of hotel do you want to use for your data, your workloads? If you just want it to be stored somewhere, you don't want a five-star hotel, right? But if you want to be creative, if you want to build stuff, if you want to take advantage of great services, you want to choose a five-star or something that is unique. So you have to think that hotel mindset. What kind of service do you want for that workload? And of course, the cost comes into the picture also. Hmm? Right. Okay. So I'm not sure, but really answer my question. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, no, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was a very good point. So, 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 so ask the question one more time. The bit I was trying to get to there was, so it was thought that if you lift up your data center and put it into one of those cloud service providers' data centers or yeah, into the cloud, that that simplified your whole environment, that you no longer needed all of this enterprise IT stuff and you could just kind of go to a cloud service provider and be done. And we know that's far from true, right? And there's disciplines that are still required in order to fully manage your service, but from a cloud service provider. 
when you then add the next cloud service provider and the next cloud service provider, and you go into that kind of, I'm going to call it multiple clouds rather than necessarily multi-cloud. But as you do that, then there are quirks or differences between what an AWS native to a GCP native to an Azure native would be. And therefore, that's a kind of that recreation of, well, you were a DB2 um, database administrator and you were an Oracle database administrator. And, you know, and all of a sudden we've kind of got this huge diverse set of technical skills, all of whom ha- aren't necessarily interacting together in lockstep for the corporate good. And then the silos or the fiefdoms or whatever kind of come across multiple clouds instead of it being argued about what that was the the delaying factor of enterprise IT. And and that was my question, really, is that, you know, do you see the multiple cloud silo thing becoming that next enterprise IT issue? I mean, what we like to do in IT, isn't it, is is we like to recreate the old problems on new technology. We don't necessarily solve the problem, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or we we just move it so it becomes someone else's problem or whatever, yeah. It is a dilemma because if, if you can say, of course, it's easier, oh, let's just move it into one cloud and, and then we will manage it from there. We can even pay someone to manage it for us, like Accenture is doing that, right? So we have customers that move the stuff out and they ask us, can you just manage it for us? So they more or less close down the whole IT department, but they do have uh, some stuff like we talked about earlier on-prem in their own private cloud because of the wish to do that or the need to do that. So, of course, if you have several clouds, you end up with several clouds to be managed. But on the other side, if you don't do it, I think you'll bite yourself. Uh, what do you say that in English? You bite yourself in the butt. Can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you like. <laughs> because if you don't, then I think it's, first of all, the dependency on one cloud, the lock-in we spoke about. I would definitely go for diverse, but would I go for 10 different clouds? No, I wouldn't. I might go for three clouds, one private and two publics. And and that's actually doable. I wouldn't go for one private and then six public. That would be way too crazy. You end up being spending more money in, in managing that stuff than you did before. But also remember, it's not just a cost thing. It's actually also the ability to create, to build, to get. And th- this is actually how the whole, what was it called? The shadow economy uh, that actually started this whole thing years ago when the IT departments, because they couldn't give the services to the IT people they needed, they ended up doing the company credit card, went on the internet and bought the services, for instance, from Amazon. And all of a sudden, the IT expenses were booming, but it was what we call the shadow IT because it was on that that expense report. And that was actually what was building the whole concept. And and the IT department realized that, wow, we need to wake up because we don't give our people the stuff they need to be able to do their work. It takes too long time to provision stuff, takes too long time to get the approvals, and we have to move faster. Getting back to your question, (laughs) I would definitely have a multi-cloud approach, but that doesn't mean you don't end up in one cloud and partly private, partly one cloud, if that's the right thing to do. But you just have to ask the question, why? What is it we want to achieve? What is we think we can do? And don't don't put the pigs in the Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Louise, I'd be very interested in your opinion on something. 
lots of financial services organisations have got really fantastic ambition in terms of cl public cloud or multi-cloud, but the vast majority still run the vast majority of, of their business in non-cloud, and they're trying to move that over and migrate. But what's stopping them going faster and what's stopping them adopting a, you know, a far better rate, in your view? Because there are so many other decisions to make about. It's not just an IT decision. It's also about the work streams. It's also about what is it we want as a company to achieve? What kind of services do we want to make sure that we give our customers? What kind of applications do we need to buy, to develop? and to offer internally and externally. So actually, it, and also because many of these large customers, especially in, in the old industry like the finance industry, finance, uh, banking, insurance and stuff, it's an organizational change. You know, they have to fit their organization all of a sudden to this new world. So that's not that. I don't know if you've ever been through an organizational change in your life. You probably have. It's never easy. And it's about how do we do that and how do we fix it? And if you rush into it, you know, many make stupid decisions, or not stupid, but just too quick decisions, I would say, and then need to get back on track or need to step, you know, not just one step back, but five big steps back and fix stuff they rushed into doing. So I think one of the prohibitors for moving really fast is actually internal politics, it's organizational changes is who takes decisions on what. I've seen examples of, of companies that they take in uh, someone from outside, an IT, new IT CIO from outside that maybe even comes from one of the clouds, you know, wow. He or she comes in and having the big fired speech about how we're going to move everything into public cloud and we are too old fashioned, we are not in front here, we need to run, run, run. And they start running, running, running. And Oops, then comes the, uh, the big dawning moment of, oh, it's just not that easy. And I actually think well, one of the things that is the highest risk is, is rushing too fast just for the sake of it, but just because you think this is must, must, what we must do. Pointing back to my point about companies now want to pull things back from the cloud because they rush too quick. So I would say if to any of, of you out there who, who don't think you've been fast enough, I think you should thank yourself for that because there are a lot of others that rushed out onto that ice and popped through. Now they're laughing around trying to get out of the ice, ice water. <laughs> and you can learn from that. Um, but there's so many tools, there's so many tools out there. And if you look at what VMware has, where you can actually utilize that technology you already have in your data center. And you can use that technology to, in a much more secure and much more smooth way, lift and shift your stuff out into the cloud and -da, pull it back. I was going to say, it seemed to be fashionable for CIOs to kind of come out and publicly state their cloud first, but the reality was far from it. And, and you know, very much grounded with, okay, but you have these data centers and you have this stranded cost and maybe you have this mainframe processing or whatever it is. And then given how complex that environment is from a regulatory and even legacy perspective. It feels like there's a lot to be done rather than just declaring cloud first and, you know, partying. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But that shouldn't stop you. It is that new trend and there is so much you can win. So it's not like don't go. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I just want to have a clear mind of why. What is it you want to achieve? And does everything really fit into that one cloud you have chosen 
or should you be more diverse? Diverse is, by the way, a very fashionable expression, by the way. <laughs> Learned. One of the big challenges that we see people trying to overcome or really navigate their way through is the complexity within financial services of its regulatory oversight, both with its legacy world, but also with the evolving world of new technology of cloud. What's your view on that? And I could be so bold as to say that's fantastic for companies like Accenture and their 500,000 consultants to advise their clients on what to do. And obviously, it's a good business because you've now got 500,000 consultants. So, you know, what's your view on that? So, so, so please repeat the core question because now I've got... Uh... We've poked you about the 500,000 consultants, right? <laughs> I haven't said the word banana yet, so we're okay. <laughs> well, well, that would be one to slip over on. <laughs> FSI globally is a very complex world yes. from a regulatory perspective. Lots of regulation, lots of changing yes. regulation, both from the, the old world of availability and service recovery and resilience. And we've seen some great success on that in the past 18 months or so. Mm. But a lot of people were challenged by the new world of cloud and recoverability. What's what's your view on that? Well, my, my view is, yes, it is super complex. And uh, you will be very naive if you think it's easy, because it's not going to be. Can big SIs like Accenture help you? A lot of big companies believe they can because they do engage with us and others in the market to help them with that cloud journey. We have to, as any you know, SI, have to be competitive, right? So we can't just come up with stuff that takes forever and is, is crazy expensive. We have to think smart for the customer, thinking what makes the most sense you know, to you for your cloud journey. And... Accenture, of course, is doing, like you probably know, part of these 530,000 consultants. They do the, of course, the strategy, the vision stuff. But a lot of so is so tied into technology today that before it was, you will sit, uh, smoke your funny cigarettes and, and have these big thoughts about where we want to go and where we want to expand. And then you would look back and say, okay, what kind of technologies do we have to support us? Today, it's not only about the big vision is also about hmm what technology is out there is there that we can that can help us form that strategy and the vision so it's not it's not just the horse and the wagon and it can be definitely the wagon and the horse vice versa because there are technology that that you didn't think you would use that all of a sudden you think is the most fantastic that can bring you somewhere Technology can bring you to expand into a country that you weren't expecting or can help you reach a customer base you that was actually not a part of your strategy in the beginning. But all of a sudden, it, it starts moving in, in a certain direction, driven by technology. But yes, you're very much right. It's a super complex world and don't think it's easy. That would be naive. It's just not to move it like that. I don't know if that answered your question, Brian, but... Yeah, it, it did. I did. And I think sometimes people struggle with that whole world of regulation and dissecting it and understanding what that enables them to do, but more often than not. But I'll also say, Brian, I'll also say, yes, it, it, the regulation is, of course, constraining them and regulation changes. What if all of a sudden you have all your stuff in Alibaba's cloud and then all because of political reasons, there is a trade banned towards China? You know, oops. And you have all your stuff there. Can you bring it back? I was having a conversation recently with someone where I said, had it not been for the regulation that we've seen over the past few years, 
arguably some of the banks would not have succeeded in having so, such little impact over the past 18 months because the regulator forced them to respond and to react to certain things and therefore they had to do it. But they wouldn't have done it if it was their own choice. They'd have put uh, lipstick on a pig, to your point. <laughs> and, 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 that, and, that, and that would have failed, right? I think we all know that certain environments would have failed because they wouldn't have invested in the right space. Yeah, so, so regulations is, is good and bad, right? It's two sides of, of the same coin. So, so everything that we've covered then, you know, banks of financial services firms have gone ahead with trying to get into the cloud. Shadow IT has been reasonably successful in setting up some services. Uh, some services have made it in the transition to the cloud. Some customers have been able to be very successful in closing data centers by wholesale movement to the cloud. But it kind of keeps coming back to, at the end of the day, the accountability is with the CIO. If something goes wrong, the CIO is going to be the one that gets the phone call. And dare I say, in some geographies, it's the CIO that could potentially go to prison if there's stuff that's not quite right here. So so what do you see then as where Accenture or maybe the AVBG team can help customers to kind of navigate this space? Mm. Well, first of all, I see the adventures team, the AVPG, <laughs> as a, a fantastic combination of different strengths and different superpowers. If you look at VMware, what many people maybe think you are the virtualization tool, they maybe got that you also have the network virtualization now. But what a lot of people don't understand is that what you also have today is a super strength product-wise on how to manage your multi-cloud environment. You have something called Cloud Health, which is an acquisition did some years ago, which gives that overview, for instance, for the ease of managing a multi-cloud environment, including your private cloud, by the way. You also have the whole portfolio. Uh, Tensu is the name of, of your products, so you can build and modernize your apps which we, Accenture, is currently uh, integrating into what we call MyNav, which is Accenture's big uh, toolbox or sandbox of many different tools. And you have to be qualified and certified da, 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 to get into that MyNav environment, which is being done currently. So that's all good from a product side. But when it comes to helping you with those processes and the strategy and, and how to align anything from culture alignment to the, the workflows, how you organize yourself around this new environment, that's where, of course, Accenture has a big strength, right? So with your superpowers and our superpowers, which are not necessarily the same, you know, we do believe that we can go to customers together and do something fantastic and differentiate ourselves together. And this is what we currently do. We are mapping out globally large accounts where we decide to, to work together and see what we can do for the clients together on that uh, cloud journey. And it's no secret that highly regulated industries like banking, finance, healthcare, public service, military, all that shell up, they need extra help because it's not just easy to do. And this is the reason why we have this agreement. This is the reason why we on both sides are investing multi-million uh, dollars every year uh, for several years, multi-year. Uh, and this is, I guess, the reason why they hired me <laughs> to to go in and burn that investment in building up uh, the teams on both sides. Louise, what advice would you give to people that are listening to this call that are really struggling with the cloud? You're not alone. 
everyone in the banking finance industry globally is struggling with the same challenge. It's not just you and and you might be right in there in the darkness and being overwhelmed and scared or, or, or don't know where to start. They're all in the same situation. Seriously, you're not alone. And the good thing about Accenture VMware is we understand that. We have long, long experience helping these industries uh, where it's not that easy to fix or just to move into the cloud. But mostly, don't despair. Everyone is having the same challenge. And everyone is on the journey and understanding it is a step at a time and it will take some time. But you will win because you don't do some of the mistakes as others have done by running, rushing into the cloud. I think that's a nice message. I'm going to ask you about your prediction now for the future. I see the future. Really? Well, what do you have, a crystal ball? What's going to happen? Listen, if you know something, you got to tell me. So we're uh, into our crystal ball section. What do you think will be one of the most significant game-changing technologies or technologies for 2021 and beyond? And, and how do you think that's going to help or hinder financial services customers? The most exciting and scary thing about the future is AI. You can't talk about future without talking about AI. And it's not just the future. That's actually now. I don't know if you ever, have you read the, the book of Uval Noah Harari? Uh, the one's called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. That is a scary book. And it's about the future and how he is predicting uh, the future. And of course, central to all that is very much AI. So what I would say uh, as an advice, lean in on it because it's not going to go away. Utilize it the best you can. Make sure that there's so many dark spaces in there and it can be used in so many bad ways. It can also be used to attack you, to steal your customers, to mislead your customers. So you need to understand what the heck it is and make sure that you can mitigate. You can utilize in a good way and stop to get attacked by it in the wrong way. And this is where security, of course, comes in and, and all these stuff, which, by the way, VMware is good at <laughs> with the <laughs> carbon black and all that stuff. But Fabulous. That's a great that's a great prediction and a, a book recommendation too. I'm picking these up from these podcasts. I'm not having the time to read, to read them, them, but I am, I am <laughs> at least buying the books. <laughs> if there are a bookcase behind. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you ever, do you ever listen to books, Audible books? Yeah. yeah. This is, for, first of all, there's a very good narrator in, in doing that book. Um, it's just fantastic to listen to. So it's a good listening book. Right. Okay. But you won't fall asleep. You'll be oh, eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> wide open and scared. You'll think, Ugh. <laughs> uh, Fabulous. Okay. Right. Then um, let's move on and have a bit of fun. Uh, we usually call it the lightning round. Okay. Welcome to the super awesome bonus lightning round. The lightning round begins now. This is our fast fun round. A pass is okay to say. We're just trying to get through a, a good few of these questions, if that's okay. So let's make a start with, what's your favorite book or movie? Book is that 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Movie is absolutely Matrix. Love it. <laughs> Louise, if you weren't working in banking, what would you be doing? I would be an actress. Okay, fabulous. Uh, so what would be your favourite one-day getaway location? It would definitely be nature. It would be going to the woods, uh, out in nature, walking, putting on good shoes and just 
walk and breathe. Simple stuff. It wouldn't be a fancy restaurant, I promise you. It would be in nature. Hmm? What was the first concert you ever saw? (laughs) That's many, many years ago, and I can't even remember the band's name, but I was really young, and it was a boys' band, of course, and I couldn't sleep for three days before we even went to the concert, (laughs) and I went there with a friend that, of course, turned out to be gay. That's why he went there with me, and he had me sitting on his shoulder so I could see better and I waved to them and waved and finally the head singer the sexy one of them he waved back to me then I couldn't sleep for the next two months (laughs) dreaming about the wedding Uh, and uh, and that never never turned out to become reality Uh, and I think I was 12 or something (laughs) <laughs> really sweet <Wow>. okay <laughs> um, what about the last concert or uh, or performance you saw the last concert and performance i saw was actually recent i have a house in spain and i went just to overview with some of the renovation i'm doing and actually wow they had a Spanish guy and a lady just simple music playing on a guitar and she was singing and he was playing and I haven't heard live music for so long. So we were like sitting. Everyone was completely silenced and just like, oh, there's live performance. I have no idea who, who they are, but it was just fantastic. And it was just the... And you, you weren't waving at him, waiting for him to wave back at <laughs> Well, Well, actually I did, but he, he couldn't wave back because he was playing the guitar. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God, yeah. Louise, what's the what's the your most favourite place that you've ever travelled to anywhere? There's two breathtaking things I travelled to, and we're not talking about politics or anything. Just talking about it was actually uh, my first time in China. I went to see the Chinese Wall, and to see that big monument wall of of how it was climbing through the the country was just very wow moment. Um, Sydney, uh, the Opera House in Sydney, I've seen 4,000 billion pictures of it, but it's just like, you know, when you saw it. Um, Niagara Waterfall, you know, I, I can be completely overwhelmed about nature, you know. I'm afraid of going too high up, not because I'm afraid of the height, but I'm afraid that I would jump. I don't know what it is with me. But when I stand up on a cliff, I get drawn now thinking, ah, you know what happens if well you die, darling. Um, but but I was I still thinking, you know, I want to jump into that sea, or jump down. I want to fly. So I, I'm I'm a dangerous person to take up. On a high right. Spot. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> Cat or dog? Dog. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it. Tea or coffee? <laughs> coffee. <That's>... Many cups. <laughs> still or sparkling? Sparkling. Email, message, phone, or video? Any, any of them. Wow. I do them all. There you and, go. and I do them all, and I think it's fantastic with the variety. You could quickly text someone. I love Teams on, you know, Microsoft Teams. Uh, I love WhatsApp. Uh, I like emails for documentation and be more clear. I love video. I love uh, any. All right. Any, any. It's the first person I've ever heard say I love Teams. Um, what's, <laughs> what was the last time you used cash and what was it for? I used cash. I have, I, I'm currently staying actually in Copenhagen in a hotel because my apartment is, what a surprise, not ready in the renovation. 
And I have a lady here who helps me, not lady, the cleaning lady here, housekeeper, who helps me and you know wash my clothes and, and, and looks after me. And I gave her some cash as a little bonus yesterday. So that was last time I used cash. There's still a role for cash in society. Yeah, but you don't. It's quite funny because uh, I feel sorry for the guys that sits and plays music in the entrance to a big park. And you come up, did you do a mobile pay? <laughs> and, 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 and they don't, of course. And you don't have any coins. You don't have anything. I'm on sure you. the last time I was in Covent Garden, and that's going to obviously be a while ago, I'm sure someone had a little POS machine you went around with one of the backers. Yeah. yeah. Was he just holding it against your wallet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody knew that he had a POS machine. <laughs> yeah. He was just standing next to you, right? Just, just. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, a virtual pickpocket. <clears throat> anyway, we, we digress slightly. Um, what piece of career advice do you wish you could have given your younger self? It would actually point a little back to the aha moment. Uh, it's very much about don't ever forget the importance of the story. And this has actually stems back to human beings and how we are as human beings. We have been grown up with stories, stories about uh, warriors, stories about the, the hunt, stories about things. Stories and songs have been defining our history lessons you know, way back in time. So the way you sell best in any relation, uh, whether it's uh, with your partner, want to sell the project of a new house, the project of the fine dining, <laughs> your kids, use think about storytelling because if you can put it in a context of why this is important, where you can bring it, have your story clear when you go into someone. Support with PowerPoints maybe or support with a drawing on the whiteboard, but story Get your story straight. So uh, who is your mentor or have you been most inspired by? I have a, a lady who is my mentor and she followed me. Not she didn't follow me. I actually chased her and follow her, <laughs> stalking her. <laughs> and she helped me through the last 30 years of my career and life. I think she has a degree in psychology, but she's actually just a fantastic mentor and she's quite spiritual, a little bit, little bit not in you know, a weird. But she's very good for me because she she's very painful, but somehow she just sees straight through me, and that, that's not fun. But she does. She looks straight through me, and she just digs in to the where it hurts in a good way. But I don't have a fancy name. I'm sorry. That's what works for you. Is important. Uh, okay, we'll go a bit more off-piste now. If you were an ice cream, what flavour would you be? If I was not ice cream... Oh, I'll be that multicolor ice cream uh, you have in Denmark. It's called the rainbow <laughs> ice cream. It's vanilla chocolate uh, and and strawberry. And then when you mix it, you have to have it a little bit soft, and then you mix it, and it tastes fantastic. It's full of dangerous color, you know, <laughs> stuff, and it have never seen an egg or van vanilla. You know, it's just a a terrible kind of ice cream <laughs> but but it's definitely multicolored so i think it's the ice I cream feel... we all grew up on there we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but definitely multicolor um, what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten oh and it was in a very very posh restaurant in a fantastic uh, hotel famous hotel in one of the arab countries i, I like a lot of food and i'm not very picky so I normally, when I go to a new country, I'll ask, what can you recommend? We have something that is really local and 
I have been eating whale and bear, but this was the weirdest. I was served camel meat in rose water. So you sit with a warm piece of meat smelling of perfume. Whoa. Rose perfume. You get the taste and smell of soap. <laughs> so warm soap to chew on. You know, seriously? <laughs> and, and it was even worse because my grandmother, she always had rose soap. So I, I felt like I was chewing on grandma. <laughs> uh, you know, with that, I got flashback to my grandmother and, and, and her soap, rose soap, uh, rose garden, and I couldn't do it. So what are you most excited for about the future of financial services and technology? I'm most excited by what AI can do for the good how fantastic it, it can help in surgeries and in healthcare and find patterns in your tissue that might be the first stage of cancer, you know, stuff like that, that the human eye can easily oversee. I get so excited about that. I get excited about technology where actually because of technology today, uh, if you just have internet and some kind of mobile device, any child in the world, anyone in the world can just saying something now, learn math, can learn a new language, you can break out of your social inheritance. So the only thing that can stop that will be governments that don't allow it or that somehow want to keep the power over the people. But people will find a way. It might take some generations, but they will find their way. Okay, last question. You have to sing karaoke. What song do you pick? I actually don't know. God, I'm so bad with that. And I have a shit memory when it comes to names of bands. And... I'm sure we've seen some good kickoff videos of you. Yes, I have. Um, we had Queen. As I, I, like, I really like Queen. And that'd be quite up in time. Mm. Oh, another one bites the dust. <laughs> another one bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. You've reset the bar because previously we didn't ask people to actually then sing it, but sing that's it. perfect. I'm going to phone Tom Kellerman. Tom, just rattle off wild thing. Um, uh, fabulous. Uh, fabulous. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time today. It's, uh, it's really been very interesting and great fun. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel indeed, Louise. Excellent. It was my pleasure. To keep up with the latest in the Accenture VMware Business Group, or to hear more about what Louise is up to, please do follow her on LinkedIn. We'll have a link to her page in our show notes. If we can help you in any way, please talk with your VMware account team, or you can connect with us on LinkedIn. Just search for Brian Hayes or Matthew O'Neill at VMware. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matthew O'N or our podcast on Twitter at dbtbpod. And... You can also find our show notes at don'tbreakthebankpodcast.com. If you like our podcast and can leave us a review and comment on Apple Podcasts, that'd be really appreciated. Also, if you have ideas for future episodes or wish to appear as a future guest, please do get in touch. We hope you can join us again next time. Please do take care.